This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Trashy Divorces, everybody's favorite good podcast about bad relationships. We're doing something a little bit different this week, Stacy. We are following up, Alicia, on a few of our wealthier past profilees. You call them billionaires. I call them policy failures. I call them oligarchs as well. Fantastic, fantastic. We got a heck of a show for you today, catching up with some previous Mm -hmm. Trashy Divorces alums and some billionaire problems. Before we get started on that, I do want to just remind everybody, if you were into the Tudors. I definitely want you to check out the podcast All Things Tudor. I did a guest spot with them. It just came out this week all about Henry VIII and his six wives, a little bit about Six the Musical as well. If you are a Tudor fan, you should enjoy that All Things Tudor episode. It was really fun to record with Deb. I really enjoyed it. I'll talk All Things Tudor all the time. There were a few oligarchs back in the Tudor day but not quite like we're talking Mm. about today. Also, big thanks to everyone who joined us for our digital live event last Thursday. It was wonderful. It was fun. So amazing. We're going to do that again. Definitely going to do it again. All right, Stacey, if we're going to get in to the dirty, dirty deeds of all these billionaires, what should we do? I guess we better go, go, go. All right, Stacy. who's up first? Who's up first in your oligarch wheel? Allow me. It is certainly not unusual for past profilees of our esteemed show to make fresh headlines. I mean, we cover celebrities after all, but certainly the tenor and volume of headlines about a specific set of past profilees of late have been unusual and fairly impossible to ignore. We have Trashy Divorces alum, yay the artist formerly known as Kanye West. Easy come, easy go. Lunging into an extremely ugly anti-Semitic spiral that has rightly cost him billions of dollars, pretty much every corporate partnership he has, and likely permanently branded him a bigot in the mind of most of the public. Sounds right. We have Trashy Divorces alum Elon Musk, who was finally forced to consummate his $44 billion purchase of Twitter by a Delaware Chancery Court judge, and within a week had seen the user base shrink by perhaps more than a million, while use of the N-word racial epithet on the platform rose by 500%. Yeah, dollar store Tony Stark is not having a great week. (laughs) Advertisers thoroughly charmed by the chaos that Elon had unleashed opted to pause their spending on the platform, while most everyone roundly mocked the idea of paying the richest man in the world, TM... $8 a month for any reason whatsoever. I'm just a little baffled, Stacey. I'm going to be real honest with you. You spend $44 billion. Just start there. To spend $44 billion on anything. But to spend $44 billion 
on a platform where pretty much everybody already hates your guts just to spend $44 billion so that platform can actually communicate directly to you how much they hate your guts. It's an odd flex, really odd way to spend $44 billion, at least in my estimation. I mean, how would we even know? I not looking at a day where we have 44 billion so these are not my billionaire problems meanwhile perhaps feeling left out in the midst of all of that it was reported that trashy divorces alum jeff bezos was being sued by his former housekeeper who alleged among other things that jeff does not allow household staff to use the bathroom in the house and quote for about 18 months In order to use the bathroom, plaintiff and other housekeepers were forced to climb out the laundry window to the outside, then run along the path to the mechanical room, through the mechanical room, and downstairs to a bathroom. Amazon employees have complained for years about a lack of access to bathrooms, with drivers reportedly sometimes peeing in bottles, and apparently Jeff's housekeeping staff was plagued with urinary tract infections from all of the holding it in which is just a delightful bit of horse shit from the distorted minds of America's richest people. It's all terrible. Somebody needs to bake Jeff Bezos a pie. It's all enough to raise a surprising and somewhat disturbing question. Should somebody, like, check on America's oligarchs? (laughs) Are we conducting some kind of late-stage capitalism experiment and whether too much money is detrimental to a person's health and well-being? Because... These results suggest that perhaps the best thing that could happen to all these people is to lose the vast, vast, vast majority of their wealth and live within at least some of the constraints the rest of us manage or even thrive in. We'll start with what I think is the worst of these three stories because of what it says about some really dangerous forces at work in society today. Ye, who obviously has a long and very public history of struggle with his mental health, kicked off his latest bid for all the world's attention on the 3rd of October, when he showed up at Paris Fashion Week for an unannounced fashion show of his own, sporting a White Lives Matter t-shirt. That was a thing that he did. That was a thing that he did. This obviously didn't land well for a lot of people, and Ye followed up with a social media spat with an editor at Vogue. This also didn't land well for a lot of people, and various models and others inside the fashion industry were quick to defend the editor against an extremely combative Ye. He was also displaying some paranoid ideation around this time, as evidenced by an odd post that accused the head of Louis Vuitton of having killed his best friend. What are you... Man, Kanye. The friend, celebrated fashion designer Virgil Abloh, died of cancer last year. So people in that orbit seemed pretty mystified by what Ye was going on about. It brought up a lot of bad memories for fans of his 2016 mental health crisis, where he accused Jay-Z of hiring assassins to kill him during a concert one night, and a few days later was hospitalized for nine days after his personal trainer called the police to his home for what turned out to be a medical emergency. He was said to be experiencing hallucinations and paranoia at the time, and people close to Ye this go-round said he was repeating a lot of the same behaviors that plagued him back then. He's barely sleeping, he's behaving erratically, there's big staff shakeups, there's chaos. That hospitalization is when he was formally diagnosed with bipolar disorder, a diagnosis that he now says was incorrect. So that's going great. On October 6th, 
A few days later, the shoe company Adidas, which has a $1.5 billion partnership with Ye, announced that the partnership was under review. This provoked a furious Instagram response from the man himself, who wrote in all caps, naturally, Fuck Adidas. I am Adidas. Adidas raped and stole my designs. So so that was also going along very well. We we're not even we're not even inside the next month. Oh no, this was not even the worst thing that happened to Ye Who on the sixth of October. You really did. You have been researching this story forever, and every time you think like, okay, we're going to press with it, we can't because they all do something else. Yes, because later on the sixth of October, fascism propagandist Tucker Carlson began airing segments from a multi-hour interview that he had conducted with Ye, where. Among other things, he told the world, Ye did, which school his children currently attend, explaining that he would prefer they attend the school that he has founded, Donda Academy, named after his late mother, of course. What's that? You may be thinking. Why Con- would you? Kanye West opened a school? <laughs> oh, there are so many, so many. No, why I'm actually you- going to. Why on earth would you put your children at a security risk like that by announcing the school that they were going to? Yeah, there's uh, apparently they've had to add security. That was the first part of the mm-hmm. problem of that sentence. The second part of the problem of that sentence was, I hope you have a little bit about Donda Academy, not accredited. Yes. So if you are wondering, wait, Yay opened a school? The answer is yes. Principal West. Yes, he did. The Donda Academy is an unaccredited Christian private school founded just this year, and certainly not at all an overbearing attempt to exert control over his own children post-divorce from Kim Kardashian. Obviously, his ex-wife did not leap at the chance to send them to daddy's indoctrination camp, but apparently about 150 kids, mostly the children of celebrities, according to news reports, did. Tuition is $15,000 a year, and some parents have reported having to sign a non-disclosure agreement as a condition of enrolling young Johnny in this school. This is definitely the sort of thing an up-and-up educational enterprise would totally do. Over two nights, Tucker Carlson aired segments of this long sit-down that he had had with Ye, who he introduced this way, according to the Washington Post's Philip Bump. Quote, the enemies of his ideas dismissed West as they have for years as mentally ill. Too crazy to take seriously. Look away. Ignore him. He's a mental patient. There's nothing to see there. Ye's rhetoric could be jarring, Carlson said, still quoting Philip Bump, something that is, quote, often used as ammunition against him in the battle for influence over the minds of America's young people. And that battle is intense. Tucker. So Philip concludes, he offered a challenge to his viewers, quote, is West crazy? You can judge for yourself as you watch what we're about to show you. So Bump's report was on the 11th of October, and it was written in light of what had followed after the 6th and 7th, Ye posting profoundly anti-Semitic comments on social media, and Vice.com getting hold of the sequences that Tucker's team had wisely edited out. They definitely were not going to show the world the full the full yay. It seems likely that yay thought that Tucker would give him the freedom to present his authentic self, however he conceptualizes that, but taken as a whole, what's clear is that Tucker was every bit as eager to edit and winnow and narrow yay down as all the other entities that yay imagines are holding him back. So Bump continues, 
Even in what Carlson showed, there were questionable comments. Ye spent a full minute raising questions about the investment of Josh Kushner, brother of Donald Trump's son-in-law Jared, in Kim Kardashian's clothing line, a riff that seemed to snap into a different context given Ye's subsequent anti-Semitic comment on Twitter about going death con three on Jewish people. He claimed that he'd been warned that supporting Trump might lead to his death. What was excluded, according to the footage from Vice, was more disconcerting. Ye claimed that he'd rather his kids learn about Hanukkah than Kwanzaa since, quote, at least it would come with some financial engineering. His assertion that professional actors had been, quote, placed into my house to sexualize my kids. He said he trusted Latinos more than, quote, certain other businessmen, a vague descriptor he used to, quote, be safe. The interview was immediately reframed after Ye was suspended from social media for his comments about Jewish people. One little additional tidbit that I came across this week that I thought was a little bit fascinating. I am, just like you, highly disturbed at the rise of anti-Semitism within the country, and I don't think Kanye West is helping that particular battle. But I did come across a little bit of polling data this week where I have a number here. We may have to follow up on this on Patreon about Americans overestimating the size of minority groups and underestimating the size of majority groups. So just a few interesting straight-up facts here. The American population will estimate that 30% of Americans are Jewish. That number is 2%. I've seen similar numbers for like, how many how many people do you think are gay? And it's, yeah, like 25% of the country. And it's like three. You actually nailed that one okay. right there. Gay or lesbian, people estimate 30%. It is 3%. People estimate atheists as 33%. Guess what that number is? 3%. It's remarkable to me the chasm of what some folks manifest in their head as real data that's not actually what real data supports. It kind of reframes the whole 3% militia thing. A little bit, a little bit. Thanks for letting me go down that road. I may have to follow up on that this week on Patreon. It was just interesting. They are interesting. For how different our biases skew that Mm -hmm. aren't necessarily based in fact. Yeah. All right. So back to uh, Ye's Big October. Um, On Instagram, (laughs) Ye had posted one or more screenshots from a text conversation with P. Diddy, uh, Sean Combs. Sean Combs had apparently texted Ye to urge him to, quote, stop playing these internet games, to which Ye replied, this ain't a game. I'm going to use you as an example to show the Jewish people that told you to call me that no one can threaten or influence me. Again, serious paranoia happening here. Instagram locked his account, at least temporarily. So he wandered on over to the Bird app, Twitter. It's also been much in the news, which he had not used since November of 2020, where he posted, quote, I'm a bit sleepy tonight, but when I wake up, I'm going death, not DEFCON, DEATHCON 3 on Jewish people. The funny thing is I actually can't be anti-Semitic because black people are actually Jew also. You guys have toyed with me and tried to blackball anyone who ever opposes your agenda. Okay. Not good. Not good. Not good stuff. 
All right, so Ye has said a lot of really unhinged things over the years, but at a time when anti-Semitic violence is off the charts and nearly four years to the day from the Tree of Life synagogue mass killing that left 11 Jewish residents of Pittsburgh dead, this was just too much by miles and miles. Yes. People who were purportedly close to Ye quickly attempted a... You know, we all know he struggles with his mental health defense, to which millions and millions of Americans who also struggle with their mental health but don't turn into conspiracy-spewing bigots pushed back. Other celebrities opted to be heroes and call this what it was. John Legend tweeted, quote, Weird how all these free independent thinkers always land at the same old anti-blackness and anti-Semitism. Jamie Lee Curtis, our favorite celebrity dog mom, tweeted, quote, the holiest day in Judaism, Yom Kippur, was last week. Words matter. A threat to Jewish people ended once in a genocide. Your words hurt and incite violence. You are a father. Please stop. On the Today Show, afterwards, she told Hoda Kotb that she, quote, burst into tears over Ye's messages. It was just abhorrent. Taylor Swift bestie and seven-time Grammy Award winner Jack Antonoff called Ye a little bitch over on the bird site. Sounds right. Megan McCain, who is definitely not one of my heroes, tore into Ye, writing, quote, I have zero tolerance for this shit. Good. Never been so proud of you, Megan McCain. Good on you. The digging of the hole did not stop there, however, as Ye soon after released a YouTube video titled Last Week that included a bit of Ye meeting with Adidas executives and trying to make them watch a porn film on his phone. What? Which certainly added context to their decision to put their partnership under review. Oh, I bet. Hey, look at my porn in the pocket. No. And lest you think Ye was somehow unaware that his comments could be understood as anti-Semitic, he very helpfully went on the Drink Champs show to clear things up for everyone. The thing about it being Adidas, he said, I can say anti-Semitic things and Adidas can't drop me. Now what? So he knew. Oh, oh, not mistaken. So I gotta say, it's Maybe a smidge refreshing to see someone just come right out and say, yeah, I'm a bigot and I mean my words to reflect my bigotry, because normally we are treated to gaslighting, denials and fig leaves and efforts to make sure that people who don't want to believe that about someone can somehow defend them. But no, Ye can and does say anti-Semitic things by his own admission, and he thinks that he is above consequences. Well. Ye was wrong. On October 21st, Balenciaga ended a $1 billion partnership with Ye, and Vogue announced its intention to never again work with him. He hired Johnny Depp's defamation attorney, Camille Vasquez, apparently... I missed that. Oh, Lord. Oh, yeah. Apparently in an effort to salvage his remaining business ventures, but a few days later, she dropped him, and Ye fired her firm when it asked him to publicly apologize. Two big-name talent management agencies, CAA and UTA, severed ties with him, and various Kardashians, including ex-wife Kim, condemned his hate speech. A Ye documentary that was apparently pretty much ready to go was shelved by the studio, which refused to distribute it and, quote, amplify his platform. The studio released a statement, quote, Kanye is a producer and sampler of music. Last week, he sampled and remixed a classic tune that has charted for over 3,000 years. The lie that Jews are evil and conspire to control the world for their own gain. Clever. His divorce lawyers, 
Apparently his split with Kim is not quite finished. Uh, They cut ties on the 24th. Adidas found itself the subject of social media disapprobation over its continued, you know, will it or won't it posture when it came to... Adidas also found itself losing a third of its stock price in a day. Well, yeah, it pulled the plug on October 25th, Mm -hmm. capping one of the most head-spinning periods of public self-immolation that anyone has ever seen. Meanwhile, a bunch of idiots hung banners over the 405 in Los Angeles proclaiming that Ye was right about the Jews, and probably a different bunch of idiots projected the same sentiment onto the stadium after the Georgia-Florida football game last weekend. So talk about making the world a worse place. Nice work. Nice work, Ye. Stores, Gap, TJ Maxx, Marshalls, Foot Locker, whoever, are clearing Yeezy gear from their shelves in an apparent effort to win the breakup with Adidas He and a film crew showed up at Skechers headquarters unannounced to, I guess, try to gin up interest in a new footwear empire or whatever, and they were quickly escorted off the premises. This was a double blow since Skechers has partnered with Kim Kardashian in the past, so he was, in fact, losing in two breakups. Wow. Even the wax figure industry was outraged with Madame Tussauds in London pulling its yay figure from public view. (laughs) They wrote, Ye's recent comments and actions have been unacceptable, hateful, and dangerous, and they violate the company's values of diversity and inclusion, mutual respect, and fairness. Peloton pulled Ye's music. And in that Drink Champs interview, Ye complained that several major venues had cut ties or canceled concerts that he had in the works. So it seems like Ye may be finding himself in a bit of a corner when it comes to finances. The Donda Academy briefly closed and then reopened, and I'm not sure what... Closed again, and then it maybe reopened again. Yeah, teachers left, um, parents pulled kids. Like, I I don't know what the situation is with that right now. But I mean, since apparently most of the student body was the kid, the kids of celebrities, you can imagine, you just don't want that. Wait, you send your kid to the anti-Semitic school? You just don't want that. Being that out can't there. be a good, good overall PR look. No, by the end of October, even weirder and more disturbing, if you can believe it, stories were emerging. CNN reported that Ye initially wanted to call his 2018 record Hitler. Why? D- what? Dude! What? And that he told TMZ at one point that he loved Hitler and the Nazis while he was hanging out at TMZ's offices, like you do. Then, of course, we learned that Ye had to compensate an employee after the employee alleged that Ye created a hostile work environment by praising Adolf Hitler in business meetings. Notably, within that settlement, Ye denied making such statements, but uh, it sure ain't looking great in light of the last month. Aside from losing billions of dollars in October alone, Ye also sparked a $250 million lawsuit from the family of George Floyd by claiming, again, on that Drink Champ show, this was quite the appearance, that Floyd died of a fentanyl overdose back in 2020. He apologized in the most man-baby way possible, telling reporters, quote, it hurt my people, it hurt the black people, so I want to apologize to hurting them because right now God is showing me by what Adidas is doing and by what the media is doing, I know how it feels to have a knee on my neck now. Oh, Lord, he also said the family was being greedy. The uh, weirdest breaking news angle on this is that the personal trainer who got him hospitalized in 2016 reached out by text. Ye, of course, has a habit of sharing text exchanges to his social media accounts. 
And he shared these. Harley Pasternak, who is Jewish, texted, I mean, at least in part, quote, I'm going to help you one of a couple ways. First, you and I sit down and have a loving and open conversation, but you don't use cuss words and everything that is discussed is based in fact and not some crazy stuff that dumb friend of yours told you or you saw in a tweet. Pasternak continued, second option, I have you institutionalized again where they medicate the crap out of you and you go back to zombie land forever. Playdate with the kids just won't be the same. I guess Harley Pasternak did indeed try to check on an oligarch, as I am asking for, but so far nothing seems to have come of it, aside from some online snark wondering where Ye's Britney Spears-style conservatorship is. It's a question. It's a real question. It is a real question. We have a lot of listeners who firmly believe, and you can see it, that Ye hasn't been exactly right since his mother passed away. Sure. Grief will do terrible things to you on the opposite side of that. I can't imagine for as much as he says his kids, his family, his enterprise mean something to him. Those are valuable things to him that the past month of October surprises hasn't been enough to lead him or his team into making some real valid healthcare decisions. Yeah, I think he's fired most of his team. Who wants to make valid healthcare decisions? He has yeah. he's fallen off of Forbes billionaires list, which he apparently loved to brag about. That is the month that was for the artist formerly known as Kanye West. And this is probably a great time to uh take a pause, hear from some sponsors. We're taking a quick break. We'll see you on the flip, friends. Sibling fights are unavoidable, but what if every fight you had was under a microscope on a global scale? That's the reality for brothers Prince William and Prince Harry. They were each other's closest friends and allies since the death of their mother, but that all began to crack as they married and took wildly different approaches to their royal duties. Wondery's podcast, Disentel, is hosted by comedians Sidney Battle and Matt Belisai. Each episode unpacks one of pop culture's most iconic celebrity feuds, and they recently took a deeper look into the real reason William versus Harry started. It's actually much bigger than these two brothers, stretching back into the history of the British monarchy. Did their feud start with the royal family's mistreatment of Meghan Markle, or was it something that started much earlier? Follow Disentel on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. All right, Stacey, we got one more billionaire in the news, dollar store Tony Stark. So we are going to now take a look at the trials and tribulations of the world's richest man, TM, Twitter addict, (laughs) turned Twitter addicted Twitter owner, chief twit, as he styles it, Elon Musk, once a man heralded as a visionary, who now most resembles a clown with a troll account or a troll with a clown account. Hard to say. See, Gilded Age billionaires didn't really want to be liked. They were mostly terrible people, but they built parks 
and made libraries and put their names on them they, and then just laid low. They were afraid. They should have been afraid. They were afraid that the people would come and take everything. They have lost that fear our oligarchs have. Elon Musk has been active on Twitter since 2009, and as early as 2017, tweeted about maybe having interest in purchasing the platform. He currently has more than 114 million followers on the Bird app, and he's long had a critical view of the company's approach to content moderation, sometimes describing himself as a free speech absolutist, which we all now know is garbage. His joy in trolling on Twitter has occasionally caused some headaches for him. In 2018, he tweeted that he had the funding to take Tesla, his electric car company, private at $420 a share. He claims he was making a 420 joke, a marijuana joke, but the SEC hit both him and Tesla with fines of $20 million. He's used the platform pretty broadly to manipulate various financial interests from Tesla stock price to various cryptocurrencies sometimes without disclosing his own or Tesla's own stake in them until much later. It's been fairly transparent for quite a while. In 2019, he went to trial on a defamation claim from British cave diver Vernon Unsworth, whom Elon had referred to as Pedo Guy in a tweet during the rescue of the children's soccer team in the Thai caves. Elon got away with that, which uh, I still find to be a pretty problematic failing of U.S. courts. However, from Elon's perspective, the SEC stuff and the pedo guy stuff and social media's lagging and often ineffective efforts to limit sometimes dangerous misinformation and threats and violence and all that, they all seem to amount to evidence of a dangerous narrowing of First Amendment rights. This is an important conversation to have. I just don't think the world's richest man, TM, is necessarily the right guy to spearhead that. Dude's a con man. And if you don't realize there's a con going on, you're the mark. You're the mark. I heard tech journalist Kara Swisher on a podcast recently, essentially saying that she thinks Elon made his bid back in April to buy Twitter at fifty-four twenty a share, another marijuana joke, because he was bored and in a manic phase, and that that's just kind of the thing that Elon does. And we are now, after a judge effectively told him to close the deal or lose at trial, seeing what happens when a bored person in a manic phase assumes the helm of a platform with some 200 million daily users without any particular plan or apparently even much of an understanding of the underlying issues that tech companies wrestle with. One of his first moves after assuming control on October 27 was to try to calm the nerves of advertisers by stressing that, quote, Twitter obviously cannot become a free-for-all hellscape where anything can be said with no consequences, only to turn around and on October 30th, <laughs> link to this like garbage website that had posted some kind of like right wing fantasy fiction about the attack on House Speaker Nancy Pelosi's husband, Paul. Obviously, political violence is bad and we should not do that. The article in question, with absolutely no basis in anything or even reporting involved, alleged that the 82-year-old Paul Pelosi was actually involved in a fight with a male prostitute he had brought home that night before he was struck repeatedly with a hammer and suffered injuries, including a skull fracture. This is disgusting on a whole lot of levels. First, that Elon Musk is himself so blinkered that he can't apparently discern journalism from some randos with a blog is kind of shocking on its face. 
Yeah, second, if the entirely baseless story had been true, the implication that it's funny when gay people are savagely attacked in their own homes is pretty revolting, as is the notion that sex workers or their patrons somehow deserve violence and to be mocked for that. Like, this was sick enough that I, a long-running Twitter addict, deleted the app from my phone and shut it down on my desktop. I haven't deleted my account at this point, but if Elon was trying to connect Twitter advertisers to the eyeballs of people who spend hours scrolling the app every day, he has lost these particular eyeballs. He deleted his absolutely garbage tweet, but has since been flailing from one disastrous move to the next, announcing that Blue Check Twitter, the verified accounts used by celebrities and journalists, would now carry a $20 a month price tag, which he then reduced to 8 after he was mocked by novelist Stephen King. I think it's going to be $7.99 now, but they haven't rolled it out. He's apparently expressed skepticism of Twitter bans and account suspensions for years, but as Twitterers, including Trashy Divorces alum Kathy Griffin, reacted to his plans for the new paid-for verification system by changing their usernames to Elon Musk and tweeting Elonish nonsense or retweeting politicians Elon has sparred with and so on, he began issuing permanent suspensions for impersonation. My personal opinion, I think that bird has flown. Bird has flown. He laid off half of Twitter's 7,000 plus workforce by email. Or I guess if you didn't check your email promptly enough, just by locking your work laptop and closing off access to that email. That happened last Friday, only for everybody to realize that a whole lot of those positions were absolutely mission critical. And so the company has apparently been reaching out to try to pull back a few folks. Oopsie! Conservative writer and former radio guy Charlie Sykes has a piece at the Bulwark called Elon Musk, Savant Idiot, in which he helpfully catalogued some of the responses to the catastrophe of Elon's latest acquisition. Here are a few of his finds. This is from a writer named Dave Karpf. What advertisers are asking for is assurance that the company will remain basically unchanged. What advertisers are seeing is a 500% increase in the use of the N-word and Musk himself tweeting a fever swamp conspiracy theory and Musk announcing that the old verification system is going to be scrapped, details on how they'll manage misinformation and impersonation TBD, and Musk firing half the company, decimating the content moderation team. So that's going well. All seems fine. Writer Matt Labosh Everyone's favorite publicity tapeworm of a billionaire, the man who puts the ass in Asperger's, will likely acquire Substack and ruin my life one day. He wrote this on Substack. Much as he is ruining the lives of the 50% or so of the Twitter workforce he's sacking in yet another of his impulsive man-baby tantrums, perhaps only someone as capricious and unbalanced as Elon Musk could make me almost feel sorry for Twitter executives who have now been helping befoul the public square since 2006. Which, to put a time frame around it that Musk might better relate to, was roughly four illegitimate children ago. Admittedly kind of impressive fertility-wise, Herschel Walker numbers. Here's hoping he pays more careful attention to his new baby than he seemingly has to his old ones. That was a little sharp there, Matt. Seriously, someone should probably check on our oligarchs. It turns out they suck at running things. Like, how, how is he CEO of 3, three can't 4, be that hard. Neuralink, where he tortures monkeys? Like, and he's a Twitter addict? 
How, how does this man have money? How is he the world's richest man? It helps that your daddy owned a diamond mine. Emerald. Close enough. Jewels. Jewels. This concludes our catch-up with Elon Musk. So let's take one more break before we come back with DJ Jazzy Jeff Bezos, whose housekeepers are sprinting for bathrooms. And then we're going to talk about a couple good billionaires, too. Okay, I love the good billionaires. See you on the flip. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. I got this nice chocolate pie right here for DJ Jazzy Jeff Bezos. When last we checked in with DJ Jazzy Jeff Bezos, he was fresh off the destruction of the National Enquirer after that paper oh, yeah, yeah, had yeah. tried to blackmail him with pilfered dick pics from his phone. I believe the general view is still that the Saudi Arabian government hacked him as punishment for employing kingdom critic Jamal Khashoggi at the Washington Post, which Bezos, of course, owns. Anyway, Jeff, who is worth a cool $114 billion or so, has been living large and apparently partying hard ever since, scooping up valuable real estate in New York City and gallivanting around the world with his girlfriend, Lauren Sanchez. Of our three subjects today, Jeff is the one who looks like he's genuinely enjoying his life. And if he's facing any mental health challenges, he is facing them in private, probably with a therapist he trusts and perhaps has a few genuine friends here and there who don't just like him for his money. However, it may be that his household staff has a less sanguine view of their very personal overlord, as indicated in the legal filings of Mercedes Wada, who launched a lawsuit in Seattle claiming that she was wrongfully terminated from Jeff's employment after complaining about harsh and unsafe working conditions. Quote, Because there was no readily accessible bathroom, plaintiff and other housekeepers spend large parts of their day unable to use the toilet even though they needed to the complaint alleges. As a result of this, the housekeepers frequently developed urinary tract infections. Plaintiff and other housekeepers related the frequency of UTIs with not being able to use the toilet when they needed to. In the lawsuit, Mercedes claims that she was initially able to access a bathroom in a small security room near the laundry room until, quote, it was decided that housekeepers using the bathroom was a breach of security protocol. I'm sorry people are human, Jeff Bezos. And so this, uh, this is, this, you know, and so this is what she says necessitated the climbing out a window and running down a path. And Wada, who is Hispanic, said that the housekeeping staff was all Hispanic until a Caucasian woman was hired in late 2020. She alleges that she complained after an undocumented immigrant was hired and also voiced concerns that one of the White House managers discriminated against the Hispanic workers, but she faced retaliation for speaking out, including a demotion. The lawsuit does say that the undocumented worker was eventually let go, 
But she claims that she was improperly terminated basically for, you know, bringing these things up. The suit also says defendant cited the ridiculously concocted reason that she appeared, quote, unhappy and that this was having a negative effect on the housekeeping team. So Bezos's attorney effectively is like, nah, this blah, blah, this somebody just wants money, whatever. We've investigated the claims. They lack merit. She made over six figures annually. She was the lead housekeeper. She was responsible for her own break in mealtimes. There she were... needed that money to pay for her treatment for UTIs, dude. <laughs> there were several bathrooms and break rooms available to her and other staff. She had de- initially demanded $9 million. And when the company refused, she filed suit. I mean, it's just, it's it's what you would expect from an extremely rich guy who does not want to pay out. Anyway, uh, the reason the uh, housekeepers are not allowed to pee complaint rings a bit true out here in Normyland is that Amazon delivery drivers have talked about having to pee in bottles and coffee cups and whatever is around for years because the tight schedule the famously data-driven company requires of its workers means you can't deviate from your route to pop in someplace and use the bathroom. I mean, I guess you can, but like this housekeeper, you will end up fired. Amazon has dismissed these complaints as untrue for years, but in 2021, well, here's a CBS News headline for the ages, quote, Amazon apologizes for denying that its drivers pee in bottles. Power to the people, y'all. We gotta rise up. Jeff, we're happy you're happy, I suppose, but come on, let your workers at Amazon and at home go to the freaking bathroom. Don't punish people for that. Maybe the Jeff situation isn't so much oligarchs who need checking on as it is oligarch whose employees could use some checking on and a few nice breaks during their shifts. You ain't kidding. So we have some problems in our super rich class, but there are some bright spots too. There is Mackenzie Scott, who is the ex-wife of Jeff Bezos and who has signed the giving pledge I believe it's called her her goal is to leave the world with n- nothing in her pocket I think. She's been giving to a number of very effective charities and we applaud that. That's how it should be done. Yes. Like again, I'm a believer if you are a billionaire, that is a policy failure. Get as many millions as you want, 999 million. <laughs> Here's your big fat trophy. You won capitalism. Congratulations. Now go do good things. Build bathrooms for people. Build bathrooms. I mean, Mackenzie Scott, she just has a paltry $37 billion to play with. Like, Do you think it makes Jeff loops every time she gives away more of his money? I hope it's, she... It's her money. I know it is her money, but give it away just for spite. I don't... And make sure they copied him on the thank you note. I also would like to... Applaud billionaire Mark Cuban, who has rolled out an online pharmacy. Oh, yeah. Costplusdrugs.com. I actually used this yesterday to refill a prescription. 90-day supply. It's a common medication, but whatever. $4.80 plus $5 shipping. That's the way to do it. So, yeah, putting money to, to good use, I guess. So there are some good billionaires, but there are a few who... Somebody ought to probably check on. Good old-fashioned wellness check. Stacy, well done. 
Thanks. I am tired of talking about most of those folks, so we're going to put them on the billionaire shelf and let them collect a little dust and get back to our regular trashy programming. Come this Sunday, I got a great story for y'all. Thanks, everybody, for tuning in today. If you want more Trashy Divorces, you can check us out at patreon.com slash Trashy Divorces. We do have some free episodes available if you want to get an idea of what that is like. Remind everybody of that link again, Stacy. That is bit.ly slash trash candy. And for all my tutor friends, don't forget to check me out on all things tutor. This week, it's a Henry VIII ride of just wowza. Yeah, we have had worse oligarchs than our current crop. Thanks again, everybody, for tuning in this week and spending your time with us. We can't wait to see you Sunday. Until we meet again, keep those hands clean, keep your hearts trashy, and definitely, if you have an oligarch in your life, check in on them. They need a little something. It's been rough, real rough on oligarchs. (laughs) Cheers, friends. And thanks to you for listening. Trashy Divorces is a Hemlock Creatives production created and produced right here in Atlanta, Georgia by us, Stacey and Alicia with a little research and writing help from the brilliant Melissa O. Our art is by Sydney V. Smith. That's Sydney V. Smith at carbonmade.com. And our music is used with permission of Ratsy. Check her out at Ratsy's store on Instagram. And definitely drop into Ratsy's store anytime you're in Oberlin, Ohio. You can contact us at trashydivorces at gmail.com or find us on the World Wide Web at trashydivorces.com. If you need more trash candy in your life, our Patreon community includes some of the very best humans around and thousands of hours of bonus content at every level of support. Join the fun at patreon.com slash trashydivorces. Interested in some Trashy Divorces swag? Check out our merch shop and Trash Panda Enthusiasm Society at bit.ly slash trashy gear. Want to advertise with us? Reach out to sales at advertisecast.com for more information. And last but not least, come play with us on social media. I keep most of our Trashy Divorces Instagram hopping. Stacy and I share it up over on Facebook, including our Trashy Divorces podcast discussion group. Come join us over there and thanks again, everybody, for listening. Keep it trashy, y'all.